So what happened in chapter 15, everybody? We're starting to prepare for chapter 16. Yeah, it was the setup. Chapter 15 was the setup for 16. There was a lot of songs. And there was, yes. And it start, uh, well, and just for those who haven't been here, so I'll try to keep this short. I'm going to give you the, the context of where we are in Revelation. What we have seen so far in Revelation, and this, we're getting towards the end. This is like, it's ramping up to the, to the, the final, the final stages. What we're, what we've been reading about is this battle between, or this contest, this, this tension between the, between the lamb and the beast. The, the book opened up in John, and remember, the book's called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And so the, that's the first thing that John sees in the vision. He sees Jesus in his glory. He sees Jesus in his in manifested glory, right? As the Ancient of Days, as the Almighty, as the Alpha and Omega. And, uh, and we see that as, he, as Jesus is giving him a message, this book is written to seven churches in Asia. They're passing it around, and Asia. there is persecution going on in some of the churches. There's worldliness. There's, there's a lot of things that are happening um, and it's what the churches today deal with and he writes it to seven churches which is like representing the the whole church and then he's supposed to this same we sometimes think it's only those like little sections to each church that's uh being delivered to each church but it's the whole book being delivered to each church so whether the church was dealing with worldliness or persecution or lukewarmness or whatever they're they're supposed to t- like Think sometimes about the whole message of Revelation and how it would have applied specifically to that church. If you're lukewarm, how is Revelation going to strike you, right? If you're if you're going through persecution, how is Revelation going to strike you? And it's going to hit you differently depending on what spiritual stage you're at. And so we were, so Jesus gives this message to these seven churches, and then John's called up into heaven. He hears a voice saying, "Come up here," and uh, he sees. Uh, the throne of God, and he sees the angels, and the, the cherubim, and the 24 elders, and there's praise and worship, and then a scroll is brought that's sealed with, how many seals? Seven. Seven seals. And uh, nobody is worthy to open the book or to loose the seals, and John's weeping, but then the lion of the tribe of that's Judah so has been found who's worthy to open the book, and John turns and he sees the lion of the tribe of Judah, and what does it look like? A lamb. A lamb who's been slain with seven horns and seven eyes. So when you're praying to Jesus next, just think about that picture of a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes. And uh, representing, he has all power. He has all vision. He's able to, he's able to see everything. He's all-knowing. He he's co- all-powerful. Complete power and complete vision. Complete power, complete vision. And, uh, and the lamb is able to open the seals. And as these seals start getting open, you start seeing, uh, he sees um, all these things that are happening and there's wars and there's famines and there's martyrs and there's uh you know people dying and a huge earthquake and and then um and then he hears the people of god there's a a, an angel that cries out stop don't and there's four uh angels holding back the four winds of heaven and they say don't do this until the servants of god have been sealed like god is marking his servants and he hears the number and it's 144,000. and we've, we've talked about that and the, uh, uh, so you'll have to go back and listen if you want to hear the explanation of that. And then um, we see this 144,000 that's sealed. And after they're sealed, then we see seven angels with seven trumpets. And what is the purpose of a trumpet? To announce. To announce, to give warning, to, to call to action, right? But it's, it's something that's supposed to be heard. It's something that's supposed to be known. And so these seven angels start blowing the seven trumpets. And, we see, and we're, we're going to talk about that a lot tonight. But... They go through this series of seven trumpets, and there's these seven 
judgments that come upon the earth and then that start coming upon humanity. And then John uh, sees two witnesses that are proclaiming uh, that are there proclaiming who God is. And he sees the dragon who represents the devil, and he's going out into the world, deceiving the world, persecuting the saints of the Most yes. High. He sees two beasts rise up out of, uh, one rises out of the sea, one rises out of the land, um, representing, and we talked about how it, like in Daniel, the beast represents the human power of the world, the governments of this world, and, the, and uh, we looked at all that in Daniel, and the beast is given power to make war against the saints of the Most High and to overcome them. And it looks really bad. As we read through chapter 13, we see that it looks like the beast is just trampling down the saints and winning, right? And people are being led captive and being led to death. And the message that was spoken was, here is the patience and faith of the saints. And that was spoken several times already in the last couple of chapters. And then, uh, and then John sees the 144,000 again, and they're on Mount Zion, and they're with the Lamb. And so we have these opposing forces, the beast and the whole world who's worshiping the beast, and then the lamb with the servants of God who are sealed in their foreheads. And we hear that there's two harvests happening. And one is, um, and we talked about the harvest of souls, right? And it's pictured as a wheat harvest. Oh, yeah. And the son of man is harvesting from the earth. And there's also a harvest of grapes, which is put into the wine press of the wrath of God. And they're trampled down. And so, uh, so there's an option, which harvest you're going to be part of. And then in chapter 15, which is what we read last week, um, so we've seen, so there's, it's been all this action, and then we have this little, this little pause, this interlude, and we see the same, or we see the, those who had gotten victory over the beast, standing on the sea of glass before the throne of God, and they're praising him. They're singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, a song of victory, and praising God for his judgment. How did they get victory over the beast? By, the by their patience. Good, yeah, by their patience and faith. Uh, the, the Bible says that they, they get we overcome the dragon by the blood of the lamb, the word of the testimony, and we don't love our lives to the death. There you yeah. go. And what's interesting is that we don't see them getting the victory over the beast by destroying the beast. Apparently, the beast is still wreaking havoc in his kingdom, and yet we see the beasts, plural, I suppose, and the dragon. But we see them on the throne of glass, and they're praising God because they didn't accept the mark of the beast. They didn't accept mm -hmm. his name in their foreheads. They didn't accept the number of his name. They resisted the beast, and even though it's, it appears that that led to death, that's how they overcame. They didn't love their lives to the death. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their lives to death. So what, what sometimes people think of as victory is different from a heavenly perspective, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes what we think would be victory is we look around at situations and we say, well, if only the government was better, or if only this external situation in my life was different, that would be victory. But these people have victory over the beast. And again, those initial messages to the seven churches, at the end of each message, it says, to the one who overcomes, I will give mm -hmm. such and such. To the one who overcomes. And how do you overcome? You don't have to be strong in might. You don't have to have an army behind you. You have to resist the dragon. You have to resist mm -hmm. the beast. That's how you overcome. That's how you conquer and have victory and can sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. And we saw, it says, the temple of God in heaven was opened. And what, what does John see coming out of the temple? This is a review from last week. Smoke, yes. But before that, oh, seven, seven angels. Seven angels. Oh, okay. And what do they have? The seven plagues. Seven plagues. Yeah, they have the seven plagues. And so, again, the, 
seven angels with the seven plagues, and it's the and what? How are the plagues described? What are they for? God's final wrath. God's final wrath. That's right. So this is this is the uh, the final outpouring of wrath. We saw in all the trumpets there was it was measured. There was a limit. But now the seven final plagues. The and again the number of completion. These seven angels. They're clothed in pure and white linen. Um, they have golden girdles around their chests, and they're given the seven golden vials full of the wrath of God. And the temple, like, we, like you guys mentioned, is filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. Nobody's able to enter the temple until these seven plagues are finished. And uh, we talked about last week, why can no one enter the temple? And, and think about the other times where... Was, yeah. The other times where God's glory filled the temple so strongly that nobody could enter in was when the tabernacle was first set up and God's glory falls and not even Moses can go in. And then when Solomon set up the temple, again, God's glory falls and the priests can't even minister because the glory of God is so thick. And it's because of how holy God is. God is, he's so separate and he's so holy and he's so pure and he's, and he's, he's God, right? He's all life. And, and to enter into the fullness of his glory, right, if, if we come in our mortal sinful states, it's, it's going to be impossible. The Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and corruption cannot inherit incorruption. And so this temple of God is filled with God's glory. Nobody can enter in until the seven plagues are fulfilled. So uh, let's start reading. And I actually want to read verses 1 through 7. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Okay. What do you guys Ooh. think about that? It's pretty heavy. What do you think, Keelan? Is this... I don't know if it's actually like from the Bible. Is this where Wormwood comes into play? Wormwood is in chapter 8. But oh, okay, gotcha. I'm glad that you brought that up because there's a lot of similarities. So... So yeah, what are some things that stand out as they start so, pouring out? The angel from the sea. So let's go back to Exodus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let, and let's let's talk about it. Yeah. And uh, what what about these reminds you of Exodus? Where are we? The well. Moses was, yeah. Go ahead. Moses trying to get his people out, and the plague started. Exactly right. The beast of the time, Egypt, right, had. Uh, been oppressing God's people. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. And the Lord brings judgment through in the form of plagues. And uh, and the, through the judgments, there's deliverance for God's people. And we see some of the exact same things happening. What are the what are the similarities? What were some of the plagues that are similar to this one? The grievous sores yeah. is one. 
the water into blood. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, the water into blood. Yeah. And th that was the very first one, right? Was that uh, Moses stretches out this the staff over the Nile and the waters become blood. And what, what, what are some details you remember about the water becoming blood in Egypt? Moses tapped his staff. Well, didn't it, didn't it go through his statues, like his gods? Oh, oh, the, the plagues, yeah, each plague was... But I mean, the water, the water of the god of whatever, and then water started turning into blood through the god, and then out of Pharaoh's temple. And that was their temple. life source? Or... I, well, I don't. I guess I don't know about that detail, but every every plague, God says that he was, uh, he's defeating the gods of Egypt, yeah. right? And so, like, they worshipped the Nile, yes, they had yeah. a god of the Nile, they, well, they had several mm -hmm. gods that were associated with the Nile. The Nile was their life source, you know, like, that's what made Egypt prosperous. And uh, that was where their, all their crops came from, and so when those waters turned to blood, oh, that's yeah, a huge that deal, now. right? Then they, they weren't able to drink it, and it says even, even, not only the water in the Nile, but the water in their vessels uh, became blood, and they, they had to dig to find water. They, they dug to find water, but water all over... Uh, Egypt was turning to blood. And we're used to hearing that from Sunday school, but like, think about how... Uh, well, and the stench too, because it was... Uh, yeah. yeah, and it says the fish died. Yeah. And uh, here in Revelation, it talks about it became like the corpse of a man, like a, like a dead man, dead right? Man. And uh, you think about, somebody cries out, right? And they say, Lord, this is a righteous judgment. And why is that? Because they, they spilt the blood of the saints. And so. yeah. They spilled the blood of saints, and you've given them blood to drink. That cry goes forth. And they, well, yeah. That, go ahead, Greta. What, what, what happened? What was happening in the Nile? When they shed the blood of the saints, they probably dumped it in the Nile or something. Yeah. Well, you think about the beginning of Exodus, the very beginning. What does Pharaoh do as the, uh, you know, the new Pharaoh arises that doesn't know Joseph? And uh, the Hebrews are multiplying, and he's getting scared that the people of God are going to Yeah, he wants to kill all the firstborn. And what does he have his uh, people do? To the firstborn to kill them. Well, he was going to drown them. Drown them? In, in, the, in the Nile, yeah, right? In the, uh, they were supposed to take all the male boys, the male Hebrew children, and throw them in the Nile. They, they, they were filling the Nile with blood. Then the Lord says, okay, you're going to fill the Nile with blood? You're going you're gonna to drink the blood, <laughs> right? Now you're going to drink blood. But yeah, I'll, I'll help you out here. And so it's, it's a just judgment. It's a righteous judgment as spilling the blood of saints. And it's again, like we talked about a couple weeks ago with the cup. Of Babylon. Babylon has a cup in her hand of filth. Yeah, the wrath of fornication. And God says, okay, you're going to drink the cup of wrath down to the dregs. Remember? Yeah. Without, uh, full of mixture. Was it with full of mixture or without mixture? In the Old Testament, it was like a mixture. And then in the Revelations, it's full strength. It was full strength. Full it was, strength. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, full strength. The Bible talks about. He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Mm -hmm. He that sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap life everlasting. That's an encouragement to those who are sowing in the spirit. And Paul's like, so let's not be weary in well-doing. For whatever man sows, he'll reap. But guess yeah. what? If you're sowing the blood of saints, then you're going to be reaping the blood of saints to drink. It works both ways. One more thing to just point out about this. The first sign that the Egyptians see is Moses turning the water to blood. But then when Jesus comes on the scene, what is his first sign? Water to wine. Water into wine. Water into wine. Isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. yeah. Moses turning water to blood, and Jesus okay. comes on the scene turning water into wine. Like the symbol of the Holy Ghost, right? 
Yeah, That's and think about. Shuttle. Yeah, go ahead. He says his his blood is the wine that's poured out. Yes, and think about how he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And he passes around a cup of wine to all his disciples. And he says, this is my blood. Drink all of it. Drink ye all of it. And so either way, we're going to have to drink blood. <laughs> the question is, whose blood are we going to drink? Are we going to reap the consequences of the of what what we've sown, right? Are we are we siding with the beast? Are we doing things the beast way, or are we going to allow? Jesus took the wrath for us. He he drank the cup, and then he gives us his blood to drink. This is the way out of that second and third vial. Is if we we take the take the cup of Jesus. Does that make sense? Do you guys have questions about that? In verse 6, thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are they're worthy. worthy. You know, we're not worthy of the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. But in His grace, He offers it to us. Right. But these people prove themselves worthy yeah. of the blood of judgment. Yeah, that, this is actually what, what we're worthy of, right? Yes. This is what we're worthy of. And people who say, oh. I'm a good person, I deserve better, mm -hmm. I don't believe you. Yeah, yeah. The only way, yeah, we, we have to become worthy through Jesus, through his death, through his shed blood. That's the only way to counteract the judgment um, that's described here. That's the only way. Worthy. It's an old chorus. Okay, well, okay, what else? So what else stands out in these in these initial verses? There was a lot there, verses one through seven. Well with the with the, the second and third, with the plays. trumpets, yeah. there was still a chance to uh, to uh, to repent. Right. Yeah. And, and now there, there's there's no repenting. The, the, the time's up. And and let's do a compare and contrast of the trumpets real quick. So the first trumpet, what what was the result of the first trumpet? Play. But what was it? What was it targeted on? No, no, no. That was they took him with the ball. The man who had the mark of the beast. Well, and the trumpet now. So like going back, thinking of the seven trumpets. So we're in the seven. So let's well let's cover these ones first. So the first vial that's poured out. What's the result of the first vial? So here here in chapter sixteen. On the earth. On the earth. Okay, it's poured out on the earth. With what result? Some kind of plague. And what is it? It describes it. Boils. Boils. Which I think, yeah, I think or sores. Which I think you mentioned. There's a parallel again to Egypt, right, where they had painful sores on their bodies, and and uh, in fact that was the plague where Pharaoh's magicians kept reproducing the plagues of Moses, yes. right, for the first couple, and then with the plague of boils, they're like, we can't come out, we're covered with boils, we're we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> that, that's what put a stop to them, which is interesting. And why would they need to? Because everybody was already covered with boils, so why would they need to? I know, that's what that? always cracks me up about the magicians. They're like, yeah. there's already frogs in the land. They're like, we can make frogs too. And Pharaoh's like, like, see? And it's like, well, why don't you ask them to take away the frogs? That yeah, would be... We, uh, we can uh, make this worse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So well, maybe they could have worked on a slow boil. Yeah, they turn the frogs into princesses. But there's a sequence to it. First on the earth, yeah, okay, yeah. So and then on the rivers and mountains of waters, there's there's a sequence to the where these vials are are poured. Yes, and it's the same sequence from the trumpets in the same order. 
So the first trumpet was sounded, and the um, on the earth there was great hail. Do you guys remember this? And uh, it says a third of the trees was was destroyed, and all the green grass. Okay. Yeah, yeah, hail mingled with blood. Yeah. So we saw uh, targeted on the earth, and then the second trumpet was on what? Third of the water became blood. Yeah, what water? So we have less oxygen. Yeah, the ocean. Less yeah, oil. no water. Yeah. So a third of the ocean in the second trumpet became blood, and a third of the ships were uh, destroyed. A third of the sea creatures died. But here in the second vial, what's happening? It's oh, all. Oh. It's also poured upon the sea, but it be. Yeah, it yeah. became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Oh wow! So we saw a third before, but now oh. we're seeing all. This oh. this is the full wrath, right? The, the, this is, wow. the trumpet was a warning. But now it's yeah. the, the full thing, yeah, right? Well, yeah, like Brother was saying, it they had a chance. There was a chance for yeah, repentance. Yeah. Now, total destruction. Right. Um, the third... Yeah, go ahead. What? Now, what, what is your interpretation of every living soul died in the sea? When a, God created man, he, he created him as a soul. A breathing soul. Is that a reference to all of the mammals in the sea that breathe as we do? Or is it a reference to all creatures, period? Just... Throwing that out there. You know, I didn't look every up. Thing in the sea died. Every living soul. Oh, Yours says every what? Every what? Mine says every living thing. Every living thing. Died. Yeah, I didn't look up. Uh, I didn't look up soul here. Three. But I do. But I, what, I guess what I was focusing on was the difference between the third of the things in the sea versus every living soul, right? So I, I think that's where the emphasis is at. So I, I think if they're all becoming as blood. It's it's like Egypt where all the fish are dying and you know there's a I think there's a um, so that's yeah my interpretation would 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 lean toward every everything in the same creature that's really gonna negate Sebastian's song a little bit yeah and the, see it's not better apparently and, not, well, not during the flood every live everything in the sea didn't die right correct right okay yeah it's is there any significance yeah so it is the breath of life yeah yeah even the even the whales. Yeah. Which he, he he specifically says everything on land would die. He doesn't right. say anything in the ocean would die. In, in, no in the flood, right? In the flood, yeah. 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 When yeah. the sea yeah. itself is becoming yeah. blood. Yeah. yeah, it's a much more That's pervasive. Yeah. yeah. And then Earth. the third vial is poured on what? The fountains, rivers and fountains. So, of this, the so it was the salt water, but now it's the fresh water. And what was the third trumpet? Third of the rivers and spring waters. Oh, yeah, and that's where Keeley was talking about the star Wormwood Falls and the third of the rivers and fountains and springs and everything. Become, uh, become bitter. Yeah, become bitter. And here we see all, all again, right? What's Wormwood? Wormwood is, it's, the word itself is talking about like a poison. Uh, bitter, bitter. Yeah, bitter, bitter, gall. Because it's capitalized. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is an actual, I believe, plant, or um, it is an actual like something. But I believe I've heard that it's equated to like absinthe, or it's like yeah. I, absinthe, think, right? I think I think it is. It is. I think that's what absinthe is made from. In some, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I think there's de yeah there's debate on exactly what it was, but throughout the Old Testament, that. like gall and wormwood and poison are like all synonymous. But yeah, so here we see in the third vial. On the rivers and fountains of water, and they became blood. 
Well, well there's a possibility based on some translations that yeah. the, the 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 blood that was on the sea actually killed anyone who was on a vessel on the sea too. That's which which would uh, that would that would fit with the parallel in um, in the trumpets. Like a third of the ships, it says, were right. destroyed. Yeah, oh, this, wow. and here, this literally, Wycliffe, he, uh, he, as of, uh, or rather Young's, uh, blood as one did, or each uh, Wycliffe, each man living, was dead. And and we see that uh, we talked about with the trumpets, the first four focused on the earth, and there was an effect. Um, but here, it's it's really clear that the people, and we talked about how like they're losing their source of fresh water. The the sea was how they a lot of people made a living, and then of course the trees and the grass and everything. But here we see, you know, obviously if everything's becoming blood, then uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of death resulting from that. And the life is in the blood, ironically. Right, in this right. case, the death is in the blood. right. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an anti. Uh, what do you call that? An anti type. Yeah. An anti type O or type A or whatever whatever type. <laughs> <laughs> and notice where the voice came from when the angels are told to pour out their vials on the earth. From the temple. From the temple, right? So the temple mm -hmm. that's filled with smoke. There's no man in the temple, but that temple, right? This this is where. The judgments originating from is from the temple and remember also it says it made a big point last time that the tabernacle of witness was opened in heaven and i did we talk about that last week the tabernacle of witness what's the significant did we what no what, what's the significance of the tabernacle of witness why would he use that phrase like he already used the phrase temple or the word temple but now at the end he talks about the tabernacle of witness so why the tabernacle of witness there's an Old Testament reference. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. In Genesis, right? Well, at least in... I know for sure in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, uh, that phrase is used. So, I don't I don't remember one in Genesis. Do you remember one in Genesis? It's a I don't. tabernacle of witness. Oh. Well, and... and okay, hey, you're trying to cheat. We are not. <laughs> Where do you... So, what? yeah, what's the significance of the tabernacle of witness? Or, or it could be translated the tabernacle of the testimony or the tent of the testimony. Where, what was, what was kept? Why was it called the tent of the testimony or the tent of witness or the tabernacle of witness? That's where God was kept. Yes, but specifically there was a witness that was kept. The covenant that he made with him. Yeah, in the Ark of the Covenant, right? Yeah. The ten, the, ten the ten commandments are put in there. The book of the law of the covenant is put in there. And the manna. Yeah, the manna, good. That was a witness. Aaron's rod was a witness that was put in there. And it's, it's a witness of the covenant that God's made with his people, right? And that, and that psalm, song of Moses we read last week that was used as a witness against the children of Israel. And what, because what does the law do? What is the law, the purpose of the law? Like a lot of times nowadays, people just, uh, we, as Christians, and we, we think, oh, the Old Testament and the law, like, we just don't have to worry about that. Like, it's, we're not under the law, and we, we love that phrase, we're not under the law. Uh, but it's not like God, I, I think some people think it's like this, that God's like, I'm going to try giving them the rules, and I'll see if they follow them. And then they don't, it's like, well, that didn't work, let me try something else. I think that's how a lot of people think of it, but that is no. not at all how the Bible presents Schoolmaster. it. Schoolmaster. Yeah. 
It's what? It showed us what sin is. Right? Yes, exactly. It exposes what sin is. The law, the Bible, the New Testament says the law is perfect and holy and just. And without the law, I would not have known sin. Yes, and without the law, we would not have known sin. It shows us where we falls come short. Yeah, it does. It's the perfect testimony of God saying, this is how I want my people to behave, right? And then when we measure ourselves up against it, we fall horribly short, right? Even in the Old Testament. Much less oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, uh, he upped the oh. ante. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He, and, and, and he's just interpreting the law. He's like, you, you guys have, have read this, and he's like, let me explain what I really mean when I say don't murder, what I really mean when I say don't commit adultery, right? But at the same time, he freed us from the letter of the law, basically, right? So when we, when we talk about the letter of the law, um, for example, like, thou shalt not murder still applies, and yet Jesus is showing that the spirit of the law isn't, well, as long as I don't murder in my heart, it's okay to murder people in real life. You know, like, in, yeah. it, like that's not what that means, right? No, okay, so when you say the law, are you talking about the Ten Commandments, or are you talking about the 600 and... I'm talking about the, the covenant, the, the whole covenant. The yeah. yeah. or whatever many the covenant. Yeah. So, and, but all yeah. those specific things, we don't... Follow. But why? Why don't we follow? Why don't you follow? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. You know what you're it right. says in there? It says, like, if your son is rebellious, right. you take him and you stone him in front of all the people or whatever. So, Oof. I like, feel, I feel like, that. you know, a little subtext. She's offended you. No, you've offended her, because really. Of Christ, so why don't we? He wiped, he wiped that out. And because Christ died, we have a new covenant that we live under. The, and the yeah, reason we so, have a new covenant, though, is, is because he's fulfilled, Jesus fulfilled the entire law. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay. So what? Yeah. So what that means? So he. So there's lots of things where it gives like punishments of stoning for adultery for you know a rebellious son. You know, like like there's all these all these cases where uh, you know if not keeping the Sabbath right. And so of course Jesus he takes that death penalty on himself because we'd all be okay. condemned. We'd all be guilty. But also what the law showed was the need for sacrifice. Like the principle of a innocent blood sacrifice is still completely applicable today even though we're not bringing goats up because jesus already became that sacrifice so we right? can offer like sacrifices to him? no no we don't so need we, 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 we are the sacrifice we are the sacrifice we and oh, jesus is jesus is the well, ultimate sacrifice yeah, but there's different kinds of sacrifices because there's different kinds of sacrifices there's okay. sacrifices for atonement and then there's sacrifices of thanksgiving and, and we're supposed to because if we're in Jesus and he's the sacrifice, okay. if we're in him, then that means we are also dying, right? Our old man is dying. The whole principle of the sacrifice is a sinless animal, right? You're, you put your hand on it and you're transferring your guilt of all that you've done and that animal is dying in your place. But then Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's your reasonable service. He says... By him, let's offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Thus, the principles of sacrifice still apply. It's in the fullness. What those things were a shadow of, now we have the actual body. Like, we see what that actually is, right? Is it that brings like, it on home. Yeah, like <laughs> Passover, that is still an everlasting precept. Not because we still have to uh, paint our doors with blood of a lamb, but that is fulfilled in Jesus. Like, he is our Passover lamb. The unleavened bread is fulfilled in us living a holy life. Like, ev everything in the law 
is still applicable in its fulfillment. Does that make sense? Like everything, we, we don't just toss out the Old Testament, right? Because it was showing us, it was, it was demonstrating. It's a mirror. It's a, uh, okay. it's a, you know, it's turning type on the light and seeing the mess of things. The, the type in shadow of the things that were to come. Yeah, exactly. And it's still efficacious. It yeah. continues. Good. The blood still flows and it still yes. does what it's. Yes, yes. Was set out to do. And, and the testimony, right? The, the Old Testament covenant is a testimony. And it's a testimony that bears witness against us or for us if we are in Jesus, right? So if you were talking to a Jew, you would say the reason that we don't follow all these things is because Jesus. I wouldn't even say that. I've, I've talked to, I've said, I, I've told uh, um, people, I'm like, like, well, why don't you keep the Passover? I'm like, I do every day. Okay. Because Jesus is my Passover lamb, you okay. know? And wasn't the, the laws and the old, old covenant to, they were God's holy people, so they had to have the, those many laws because they were set apart. They were chosen. Yeah. The Jews are the chosen, so that's maybe. And Peter says, and now you are a chosen people. Mm -hmm. And he says, the very chapters that we, we want to skip over in Leviticus that says, be holy for I am holy, uh -huh. Peter quotes that to us. And he says, so you be holy because I am holy. And he applies that to us. Those things are still in effect. And if we understand it the way that the New Testament presents it, then it's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful testimony because everything is pointing to Jesus. And there's a fulfillment in every aspect of, of our lives from that Old Testament law. So we're not under the law in the sense that um, he says... Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us because it's written, curse is everyone that doesn't continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. It's not a get out of jail free card, like a license to, like James Bond had a license to kill and we're like, yes, we got a license to sin because of the grace of God, you know? Like that's not, that's not how it works. This is the, but the curse has been all fulfilled in Jesus. So I think, so I kind of, we're going through Revelation and I think covered, kind of going back to our Old Testament, um, we're kind of seeing the, so we're, you kind of start off at, 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 at creation with Adam and Eve, and you see that, how we're so close with God, and rebellion is a continuous and sequential thing that continues to go on, and on, and then, and, the old, and as you read the Old Testament, there's the laws that are written to say, this, these are ways that you can come back to me to be in covenant with me, right? Um, but as we see that, you know, we're not able to fulfill those things, and it continuously gets worse. And God's right. and mm -hmm. God saw that if I don't make an, make a intervention, it's going to continue to go down this path of where they can't be redeemed. So then, this is when we see Jesus come in, and He comes and says, "You know, through me you're saved," because He saw that you know, after telling these you know prophets and people in the past that to do these things are not able to do them, so He had to take it upon Himself. Him to do that for us and it's very uh, it's almost when you think about it it's simple and, and the thought process for it but it's it's complicated at the same time but but he made it simple because it's only through him he said okay now you put your life down and then when he died on the cross he said okay that those words are now set in stone they're valid so now you just follow what I said previously and you're saved, and you'll be okay. Yeah, and, then we and when he that, dies, he says, it is finished. It is finished. <clears throat> it's fulfilled. Right? And so now we're starting to see us 
you know, we have that relationship now with, with, with Christ, but this can't be our, uh, our final, you know, going back to the beginning of being with God, living with God, the way that he intended can't happen until we go through revelation, kind of what we're doing right now. I, it's really, right. Yeah, I, God it's, is, this is such a, it's really, I, that's the best way I can explain it, but yeah, that's when good. you, when you try to see through it and, uh, you know, the complicated way that it is, that's kind of what good. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think yeah. I think you, I think you said it well. It. And the, so the, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because if the tabernacle of the testimony, him using that phrase is opened in heaven. Like, it's after it's because the that's the way, that's the way he's going to judge. It's exactly. going to judge. Yeah. yeah. The testimony on us is that we're covered in the blood. Right. That's the testimony. Right. And think about the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments inside, written by the finger of God. And when people opened the Ark of the Covenant, what happened? They're blinded. They, they died. They died. When they opened the Ark of the Covenant. When, when Uzzah touches the Ark of the Covenant, he's, he's immediately struck dead. And people are like, whoa, that is so harsh. Like, what is the deal with that? Well, the fact that they opened the Ark of the Covenant, what did they have to take off in order to look straight at the law in the face? The mercy the cover. They have to take off the mercy, mercy. The, mercy the cover is called the mercy seat. And what what was sprinkled on the mercy seat? The blood. The blood, right? The atonement blood. Which was covering. Yeah. So that it's so significant that the there's atonement covering the law, but when they take it off, then, then all they have is the law, and the law is administration of death. And it judges them. It judges. It judges. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. So, so the reason it had to be in the ark is because there needed to be that covering of atonement over the, oh, wow. over the Exactly. But now we see the temple of God in heaven and the tabernacle of the testimony is open, and smoke fills the temple, and nobody can go in. And angels come out with seven plagues. Smoke. Vials that are being poured out on the earth. Right? And, and then... When you think of the bowls, like I think in a lot of translations it says they came out with the seven bowls. Don't think of like a cereal bowl, you know, like that. It's it, like Colton said last week, uh, like he's like, so God just has like plagues sitting in bowls on his counter, you know, like it, and that's what it is. Is these are these are holy wow. vessels like that they would put incense in, or they would put the wine of the drink offering in. It's like the incense being poured out, like like when the angel in chapter eight threw the censer down on the earth, right? This is this is what's being poured out, and until those seven. Ooh vials are poured out nobody can go in the temple well the thing is it, it's been getting it's been filling so in other words it, it wasn't good, it, yes. these bowls weren't good, full good, these good, good. vials yeah. whatever you want to call them they weren't full mm. but it, but the time has come now it's time to let them loose because they are full and i, and I wanted to read this last like the week the sins of canaan land good. were not mm -hmm. full good. until yeah. joshua came back to destroy them. right yeah, it's so funny. People people um, argue both sides and they don't realize that they're contradicting themselves in the sense that they say, if this world is so messed up and so evil, why doesn't God do something about it? And then when they see examples of him doing stuff about it, like in the book of Joshua or in the flood or in Revelation, they're like... Or in oh. our lives. Yeah, or in our lives. <laughs> like, why is God so mean? And why does he... You, know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you can't have it both ways, all right? Like he, but he gives so much space for repentance. He gives so much mercy. He gives so many warnings. But then there is a time where that sin is filled up. Those vials are filled up. And, and what I, I did want to read... Turn to Romans 2 real quick. Romans 2, and this is this is that concept that Ephraim's talking about. Romanos. Romanos, yes, for our Spanish-speaking brethren. Romanos dos, dos. y... Uh, in verse 3, maybe. We have to 
Go ahead, Agnar. And thinkest thou this, O man that judges them which do such things and does it the same? Thou, thou, thou shalt escape the judge of God. Okay. And I'll clarify something because a lot of people read this and they're like, yeah, people just judge each other and they talk about how other people sin so bad, you know, and you shouldn't do that. But what he's saying is, uh, if you read through Romans' argument, um, he says, we're sure that the judgment of God is true according to people who commit sin. And he's like, and do you think this, oh man, if you're doing the same thing that you're judging other people for, you're going to escape the judgment of God? And we are like, yeah, so I'm not going to judge people. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying the judgment of God is against those things. And because, and, and this is what it's like, nobody likes pride in somebody else. And we say, you shouldn't be prideful. And as soon as we say you shouldn't be prideful to somebody else, the second we're prideful, we've already condemned ourselves. Because we don't think somebody else should be prideful. We don't, we don't think anybody else should be selfish. And so the second we're selfish, we've already condemned ourselves because we don't think that others should do that. That's what he's saying here. Like, you think that you're going to escape the judgment of God just because you know that it's wrong in somebody else? You might know it's wrong in somebody else, but you condemn yourself because you do the same things, right? That's what he's saying here. And then, keep going, verse 4. Or, what's that? This despises. Those the riches of goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the Goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Okay, he's like, do you just, so maybe the reason you just keep doing what you're doing is because you despise how merciful God is and how long-suffering he is and how much he puts up with you. And you don't realize that the fact that he hasn't judged you, because what we always do is we're like, well, God hasn't judged me for my sin yet, so I must be all right. No. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I've gotten off this far. And he's like, you don't realize God is being merciful with you, and his goodness is designed he's to lead you. you time yeah, he's, it's designed to lead you to repentance. <laughs> and look at verse 5. This is, this is the part that I think really speaks to what uh, Ephraim is saying. But after thy hardness and impenitent. Impenitent means unrepentant. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Heart treasures up unto thyself, <clears throat> wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of righteousness, judgment of God. Okay, after your hardness and impenitent heart, you treasure up to yourself wrath against the day of wrath. In Revelation 16, we're reading about the day of wrath, the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. And so, like you said, those vials are being filled up with wrath. And it's in accordance with the hardness and unrepentance of our heart. Just like Pharaoh. What was Pharaoh doing? He's mm -hmm. treasuring up to himself wrath because his heart is hard, because he's un impenitent, he's unrepentant. He starts off being repentant. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't like the frogs. You know, just ask the Lord to take them away. And then, and then he, he hardens his heart and says, no, I'm still not going to let the people go. And then we see God hardening his heart, right? But I actually think the way God's hardening his heart is Pharaoh starts off hardening his own heart. Yeah. And the more the plagues come, that becomes an act of God hardening his heart through the plague. Sometimes the more judgment happens, the more people's heart becomes Yeah, the, the more, the, the more, they're, softer, the yeah. more they're offended, the more... Yeah, it builds in the heart. Yeah, yeah, in the heart. And so God, God knew that by doing that, it was gonna harden Pharaoh's heart more and more. So but he tells it's Moses okay to that's not what, get offended. It is okay so, to not get offended. It's okay. good. It's important not to get okay. offended. Yeah, almost got offended. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. So if we picture those Holton, those seven bowls on God's counter, they're filling up a little bit with wrath, the more we're unrepentant, the more, right, the, that it just keeps on filling up. And there's going to come a day where there's going to be a reckoning. 
Whether it's when, after maybe we die and we've lived our whole lives in wickedness and nothing happened in this life, but we're going to stand before a judgment seat. And, or maybe it's gonna, we're going to be sailing on the sea and it's going to turn to blood, right? And we're going to see those vials of wrath being poured out. And so that's the, that's the picture here. Yes, Colton. How do they die? Like, aren't they sailing on boats? Well, every, everything in the sea dies. And notice what he says. He says, you are righteous, Lord, because they have slain the blood of the saints and you've given them blood to drink, right? So when the, when the fresh water is turned to blood... Obviously, if you can't drink fresh water, you're going to die. When the salt waters turn to blood, we don't think of it this way. Like in Colorado, we're so landlocked. But like in the ancient world, that was the source of food for a lot of people. That was the, the, the trading routes, right? Where That was how people got stuff from all kinds of different places. That's how people made their living. And if it's turned to blood, then they're not going to be able to keep on living. They can't before. escape. If they were on the land, they go, like, see what's happening on the land there, get in yeah. the boat. I'll get in the boat and head escape. out. Yeah. No, no escaping the yeah. So you want to sail through it, though? Like, you could... Well, well imagine it, all the dead fishes that are floating at the top. It's it's sharks. it's blood of what, a dead man. I mean, but you, if you're in the boat, you still blood. be a separate. That, that, that's <laughs> a good question, True. though. We'll have to do an experiment to see if both. Well, it's blood as a dead man, so it's like. What? <laughs> I don't think. Like still trying to go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's stinky it. Well, so, it would be stinky, but you're still. You could put one of them masks on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're trying to figure out a way to escape contraption. Yeah, that's not that good. But to kind of explain it from from a scientific standpoint. Yeah, the problem with blood is that it carries sugar. Um, it carries iron, so as it's gonna be, it's thicker than water, so it's like it's gonna start to like turn to syrup after a certain point. <laughs> yeah. And then for people who are on the ocean or who like you know do drink salt water, you have to like boil it first to purify it of the salt. Well, you can't do that because of the sugar. It's literally just gonna burn. It's not gonna turn back to normal yeah. water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's good. like yeah. Well, I mean, the the point, the point too, to make the point, it says it became as the blood of a dead man, not just not just any blood, the blood, yeah, it's the blood of a dead man, which not life blood, but so brothers, the clock thickens. Very good. Sorry. Okay, one more thing about these. That's why he banishes me from a lot of his. I've never yeah, banished you before. Yeah. Tonight's going to be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, notice where uh, in verse 7, uh, there's a voice that, what? Of Revelation. Of Revelation 16, yeah, sorry. In ver yeah, we're back in Revelation 16. Where do, so first there's uh, the angel of the waters says, You are righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because you have judged us. Why that phrase about God, the one who is and was and is to come? Why, why that phrase? And yeah, and why is that significant in this context? He's the same today and yeah, yesterday, today, and forever. So his character doesn't change. Colton? You were gonna say that? Yeah, so he doesn't change. And also, if somebody is and was and shall be, there that person's gonna have perfect knowledge to be able to judge righteously. He was there before, he's there now, and he's gonna be there afterwards, right? There's there's a that's the kind of person that needs to be judging. Because they do say, like, with age comes wisdom, so if you've been here since the beginning... <laughs> right, yeah. Then yeah. you must be pretty wise. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we're always like, um, I don't know, God, I think I can handle this better. Uh -huh. God's like, you didn't pass 8th grade, buddy. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
where and then there's another voice that says, "Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments." And where does that voice come from? Out of the altar. Comes out of the altar. Do you guys remember anything else in Revelation that that reminds you of? Where else oh, do we see oh. a voice out of the altar? Well, underneath the altar is where the righteous were hiding. Yes, where they were. In the fifth seal, when the fifth seal is opened, a voice comes out from under the altar. And remember what the voice said then? Uh, no. Oh, go. Keep waiting. Go back. Go back to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation 6, 9. The souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Okay, but the point is, this, if there's a voice from under the altar of those who, what? Have been martyred. Right, who have been slain for the testimony of Jesus, right? And they, their question is, how long, Lord, until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And remember what happens to them? They get yeah. yeah, it's like the number, ha it hasn't been filled up yet, right? There's more that are going to come. But here's some white robes, and just hold on, right? Just wait for a while. Now we see the time's come. The vials are full. They're being poured out on the earth. And the voice from under the altar says, even so, Lord, righteous and true are your judgments, right? This is the fulfillment of what the question that we saw all the way back in chapter 6. Ten chapters later, we see the fulfillment of that. Righteous and true are your judgments. And I think it's important that we have that mentality, right? That if we, if we believe that God is just and that he's loving, then we have to believe he's a God of judgment. Yes. But we don't like to think about that sometimes. And yet he, he has to be a God of judgment or he wouldn't be loving. He wouldn't be just. He has to make things right. He has to avenge the blood of his people that have been spilled on the earth. And because of that, guess what? There's blood that people have to drink. There's boils, painful boils that are going to be inflicted. So here, these mm -hmm. saints are wanting the judgment of God to happen. But yet, they're yes. still holy. They're still righteous. Yes. Even though they're wanting that wrath... Or even because they're wanting that wrath. Oh, okay. Because if we are holy and righteous, we should want God's judgment to come. Okay. Well, we gotta understand. Right? Our, we gotta understand the blood of the saints cries out. Okay, so what if we? Okay, so but that other scripture said, uh, if you're judging and you're wanting the judgment on that person, then you're subject to it as well. Yeah, but if you're so judging what, but, wrongly. No, That's no, no, no. You're judging rightly. No, but I'm okay. just saying, in the context she's talking, is, is she that if you're judging wrongly, then yeah, oh, you have to worry about saying. the you judgment. Worry you're gonna, yeah, you will get judged. I'm, I'm gonna correct you again. Or, if you're judging rightly, you have to worry about the judgment for yourself because it's God's okay. true judgment, right? Okay. Okay. It doesn't yeah, matter because, who's huh? doing the judging or not. Like, that's where okay. people always get messed up and judge not lest they be judged. People. People do not understand that verse, so and our saying, culture doesn't understand that verse. Oh, I see. So they're saying don't judge, but yet the judgment's still going to happen. It doesn't right? matter if we judge or not. God's yeah. going to judge. God, God's going right? to judge. Don't judge. Like no, no, no. That's not even the message. It's not the act of our judgment. We, we have already condemned ourselves. It, we can't help but judge. Even the, even the sentence, you shouldn't judge, you're judging somebody. Yeah. yeah you I shouldn't judge. Well, you shouldn't judge me for judging you. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't yeah. judge me. 
for you're calling me judgmental, you judgmental person, right? Like it's just a circle. It's it's a, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's a self-defeating statement. You shouldn't judge. I've been wanting to have this conversation with so many people. Really? For people for don't so get many it, people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're already judging. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's it's a way. Just like how people get offended. Like I get offended by offen- yeah. offensive people. Yeah. Now where where we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> where we shouldn't judge is like what Ephraim was saying earlier like if we're judging wrongfully like sometimes like a quick judgment that's not a good that's not a good judgment right like you you automatically you, may not have all the you might not have all the information right yeah. but if you're repeating something that God has said yeah. that's a righteous judgment yeah right if I say two people should not live together until they're married they, they shouldn't be having sex before marriage and somebody's like oh you're judging me well, no, God's word God's is judging word. you, yeah. right? And you just admit it that <laughs> that's not that's not the kind of judgment that the that the Bible's talking about. Yeah, you said judge by the Bible. I remember you saying something like yeah, that. Yeah, Je- yeah. Jesus actually said this. He goes, "I didn't come to judge anyone. The words that I speak, they'll judge you in the last day." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So right? you know, someone being honest, you know, if yeah. that hurts him, then it's supposed to hurt him. Or that, that's what I've been told. Like, if it offends you, you're supposed to get offended. Well, 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 the, and what we should do, Jesus said, blessed is he who's not offended in me. Whoever, and it also says, whoever keeps the law, nothing will offend them. And it's not that we need to be harsh. The, the Bible says, um, you know, if a man's overtaken in a fault, restore him in a spirit of meekness and consider yourself. Yeah, we need, we need to speak the truth in love. We're, and we're not going to help anybody by just smashing them with the hammer of God's word. Like, that's not what it's talking about. But we do need to be honest about what God's word says. People do need to know what God's word, what God's judgments are. Even, even, if, even if it does offend them. In seven, it's not, those under the altar are not pointing fingers. Right. They are simply worshiping God, saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. They're not looking yeah, down at yeah. those that are being judged. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the glory of at the, the judge. And this that's the first step of repentance for anybody. The, <clears throat> the first thing we have to do is say, God, you're right. And when we and say I'm he's wrong. right, yeah. then we have yielded control to be able to control how he judges or what he's judging. or we, we don't. What we try to do so often is take the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil for ourselves. We want to determine what's good. We want to determine what's yeah. evil. And we have to say, no, I'm leaving that on the tree, and I'm going to let God tell me what's good and evil. You are true and righteous. Your judgments are right, Lord. And we can praise him for his judgment. It, it, throughout the Old Testament, if you read the Psalms, you'll notice how many times it's, it praises God for his judgment. His judgment's a yes. good thing. Because it says his judgment, his judgments are righteous. Yeah. Ooh, and, righteous. And, and we tend to use the word judge only in like a really limited way. The word judge literally means to make a decision. It means to differentiate or to distinguish. And we all do that I, all the time, all through our day. We're, we're constantly making judgments. But what we what we do when we are like under the altar crying out, holy and true are your judgments, O Lord, we're saying, God, you make the best distinguishing factors. You make the best differentiations. You make the best decisions. And you make right decisions. And notice, who's under the altar? The people who died for the Lord. And they're saying, true and righteous are your judgments. Even though we have died. Even though we died, we acknowledge that you handled the world right. We we all have to come to the place where we're like, we cede our right to run our lives and to run the world. And we have to say, Lord, true and righteous are your judgments. And even if I die, 
Even if I suffer, even if my loved ones die, true and righteous are your judgments. Even, and, and when he pours out his judgment, true and righteous are his judgments. And when he withholds his judgment, true and righteous are your judgments. This is a really important phrase for us to have in our souls. All right, well, let's close out. We got, we got through three vials. <laughs> Amazing. So, uh, Seven whole verses. So yeah, I thought, how, I thought how we'd much get do you owe me? a dollar one more. But it's time. It's time to fit. Um, are there any questions? Is that is this is, is all that making sense so far? I think very so. Good, very good. I think it's right. very good. Amen. Okay. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. True and righteous are your judgments, Lord. I want to make that the cry of my heart, God. That I'm constantly yielding to your your thoughts. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways, Lord. And I want to constantly submit my ways and my thoughts to you. True and righteous are your judgments. The, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Lord, help us to have that mentality. Um, I pray that we would have your perspective, see things your way, and that you bless every single person that's here, God, that you would go with them and you would direct them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name.